Good morning, everybody. This is Lorraine, and as always, Allison is hanging out with me. Hey, everybody. And this morning, we are talking to um, John Arnold, and John is the uh, founder of um, Tuitive. But what we're really going to be talking about with John is his road trip. How are you this morning, John? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Before we talk about where you are, why don't we let folks who don't know you find out a little bit about what you do. Talk a little bit about your business and you. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I guess I've been in business for 13 years now. Started off as a web design company, but for the last probably three years now, uh, all we do is user interface design. And, and all that means is we work with development teams that, that make software and apps of any kind, and we make it look good and easy to use. That is um, a really important piece of the pie, and I can't tell you how many times I refer to uh, some of your blog posts from my clients when we're trying to get them to understand that um, simple is actually better. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And um, so what we're really going to talk about this morning is this sort of adventure that you've been on. And we had talked about it, I think, for maybe about a year even before you thought about doing it. Um, mm -hmm. You're actually running your business from uh, from the road. That's right. Yeah, it's totally virtual. And um, how did you get? Um, how did you get started? Um, how, how did you start? Let, let's start with how you made the plans to do that. We do have a caller holding, but I want to kind of let you talk a little bit before I take the question. So if the caller can be patient, tell folks kind of how you got started and got ready for this road trip. Yeah, well, we, we first had the idea probably a, a couple years ago, um, and we we took a, a three-week trip, um, and we went around Lake Superior, and it was basically a proof-of-concept trip. where We just wanted to see if we could do it, and even if, if we liked traveling like that. And um, it, we, we made a mistake there in trying to do vacation and work at the same time. Um, that was that was too hard to do. So, uh, but we did prove the concept that we were able to like do work, and I was able to even get clients and get work done all from the road. And then, so since then, then we took um, then we took about six months just planning all of the logistics about just getting the RV ready and getting the business ready, um, just sort of starting to um, tell some clients that we're used to seeing us face-to-face -face that they're not going to see me uh, very often. We're, we're going to be doing our work uh, virtually. And, of course, all the other logistics stuff like getting the house rented and just selling all of our stuff. It, it was a lot of work too, before we could hit the road. So why did you go through this this whole process? Why was it so important? Yeah, I guess I had just gotten to a point where um, I was I was dissatisfied with sort of being on on this this path uh, this default path of being a business owner and 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 having an office and I, I don't know I, we just wanted to do something different and my kids were right at this perfect age where. They were old enough to uh, just in, enjoy doing some cool things, but they weren't so old that uh, that like they had their, their their friends and their whole world keeping them in place. And so it was like it was a now or never thing, and it was just something that we just had to do. We had to do this, and I'm so glad we did. Awesome. So um, I'm going to just hop over for a minute and see. Um, 
If our caller, good morning, do you have a question for John? Okay, I'm going to put him back on hold. I guess they didn't. Um, okay. But um, uh, if you are listening and you do have a question, just hit the one button, and that way that will signal us that you actually want to join the conversation. John, as you were getting ready for this, um, what were some of the, the logistical things you had to do in your business to take it virtual? Right. Well, the I guess the first thing, and we were sort of naturally already going down this path, is just getting used to uh, just working virtually. Um, it's a lot of our, our, our client base had changed anyways as we really got up to speed with our, our search engine optimization. And I rank really well for uh, for a handful of terms related to user interface design. So when we found that we weren't meeting face-to-face -face with clients anyway, we were doing it all with, with GoToMeeting and Skype, um, and just like Basecamp and other uh, online tools, my business was already going down that path, and that's that's actually why we shut down the office because it was we had this gorgeous office that nobody came to see us in. We were working with uh, clients out of state, and then that just sort of went hand in hand with wanting to sort of break free of uh, just normal life and hit the road. Uh, anyway, I, I don't. Are there some specific like technology things I can talk about or? Did you have employees that you had to deal with? Yeah, although we had we had started to downsize a little bit, and and Lorraine, we talked a lot about this uh, years ago. That uh, I had a pretty good sized staff at one point. I just didn't like being a manager and a sales guy. Um, I like actually doing the work. So I was sort of paring the business down anyway. And, and along the way, um, letting some people go. But when I started this trip, uh, it, was, it was me. I still have a full-time developer, and up until just a couple months ago, I had a full-time project manager. And so now it's just my developer and me, um, and we're doing all the work, and we're kind of transitioning into a product-based company instead of just a client-based company. So um, as you were making the transition, I mean, for me – I've done a couple of vacations where I've been gone, you know, 10 days, two weeks, and the clients are fine. Um, I miss the interaction with, with my coworkers, um, and uh, I don't know if they miss the interaction with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, um, that actually wasn't, wasn't a problem for us because uh, we were all just naturally introverted people anyway, and we shut the office down, let's see, that would have been in November of 2010. And so we were already used to working with clients and working, to, uh, working with each other on a virtual basis. It's just we were all working at our respective homes or coffee shops or wherever we wanted to be. So when I packed up and hit the road, from my employee's perspective, there was, no, there was no difference whether I was in my RV and who knows where or in my uh, home office at home. So it wasn't an abrupt shift. This was really something that had been happening over a period of years that almost by the time that you pulled out the stakes, it, it kind of, I don't want to say it didn't matter, but it sounds like it was business as usual. Yeah, it, it very it very much was that, and I even used that phrase, uh, business as usual. Um, it, it was gradual, and it was a calculated um, 
sort of process to transition into that over a reasonable amount of time because when I got back from my my three-week trip around Lake Superior and we saw that we could do this and we didn't want to come home and I just we decided that we were going to make the professional changes necessary to be able to do this full-time. Well, so let's talk a little bit about some of the technology, some of the tools that you rely on to, to run business from the road because I think um, – you know, even just a business owner like me that wants to go on a two-week vacation or, um, you know, any kind of business owner that's thinking about maybe hiring an employee that doesn't live in the same city or state, what's kind of at the core? What, what, what's the, what kind of infrastructure do you use to make that run well? Yeah, sure. So the, the first thing is just having good Internet connectivity. And um, so for me, traveling around all the time, I have to have two sources of Internet. And for me, that's just my, my iPhone with the 3G connection, and then I have a, a Verizon uh, 4G uh, gadget. And whenever we get to a place, that's the first thing I do is I do an Internet speed test. Uh, I test AT&T, and then I test Verizon. One of those is going to outperform the other, and that becomes my Internet for the week. Uh, if I only had one of those, I would be out of luck literally half of the time. But by having two different carriers, uh, it's very rare that I don't have good Internet. Uh, and as far as tools, just having uh, GoToMeeting to do screen sharing and, and virtual uh, uh, meetings like that, that's invaluable. And then uh, email, Google Docs, and, um, and Basecamp for just keeping track of everything. And um, what about, what are some of the challenges in terms of managing relationships with clients and maintaining um, that relationship when you don't see them face-to-face? -face? Now, recognizing I'm more of an extrovert and I actually like the face-to-face, -face, <laughs> Allison, Allison is shaking her head because um, she, she's like you probably a little bit more introverted nat naturally, and so this doesn't sound uncomfortable for her. Um, but but how do you sort of still maintain that kind of personal relationship with your clients? Yeah, I guess um, that just hasn't been an issue. Um, and I have I have wonderful clients uh, that I have worked with for months now, and we have had we've done great work. We've had delightful conversations, and they're almost friends now. And I have never seen their face. Um, <laughs> And I, I don't – I mean, that doesn't happen with every client, but I think it's just the rapport that you can establish uh, over the phone and over Skype and over GoToMeeting, uh, it's, it's worked. You know, um, way, way back in the day, long before any of the Internet stuff, I did inside sales for a company that did oil field supply. I had okay. never met any of my customers um, until I went to a trade show um, and it was kind of fun because I had in my head sort of what I thought people looked like. Um, <laughs> uh, and some of them didn't look at all like their voices. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I think it is possible to create those relationships just through, through phone conversations. It almost sounds to me like the harder relationships to maintain would be the ones with your family. Because I, how many kids do you have, John? I have three, three girls. You got three girls and and your wife and you in an RV. That's right. And you're trying to do work from there. I assume the girls are doing are doing schoolwork. You're trying to to enjoy the places where you've we've parked your RV. How in the world do you balance all that chaos? 
Well, it's, I guess I don't even consider it, it chaos. It's, um, I mean, we have, a, we have a daily routine and a weekly routine just like everybody else. Literally, the only difference is at the end of the day, I'm not in, in my house, in my familiar neighborhood. We're just somewhere else. It's like, yeah, the kids do school during the day. I do work during the day. Like right now, when I have, for calls like this, I'm sitting in my car that we tow, which makes for an excellent sound booth. And, uh, and that's and day, actually really good. Yeah, it, it's worked out very well uh, that I can sort of have my quiet space when I need to have, have a meeting, and the girls don't have to, like, try to be quiet and all that stuff. But after my work day is over and after the school day is over, um, we'll just take a walk and go outside and play games and just do what every other normal family does. The only difference, literally, is we're just somewhere else. Cool. And um, people can uh, follow your adventures. Um, You have a blog. I do. That's at uh, Recalc Routes. That's short for Recalculating Routes from the GPS uh, lady. But, uh, yeah, RecalcRoute.com, that's the blog I started in January of last year, and that chronicles all of the planning all the way through leaving, all the way through uh, just a few days ago. Yeah, and I loved, I, I jumped over and I looked at your Google map because you've got, you've basically dropped down a place pin everywhere you've been. Yes. So it's, it's, I think it's a really nice, um, I mean, I think if someone is interested in doing something like this, I think there's some, some interesting perspective there. But it's just kind of a fun look at all the places you've been. Yeah, yeah I, you, love, I love looking at that map. Yeah, I'll bet you do. Um, and looking at that map, most interesting place, most surprising place, what do you think? What, what, what stands out? Well, uh, for me, I, I, I'm surprised at how much I love the desert. Uh, and and my, my favorite place so far on the trip has been uh, Death Valley. And, and just my second favorites have been other deserts. And right now I'm in Carlsbad, uh, New Mexico, and it's sort of a deserty place right now. And it just feels good. I, I don't know. I, I, I love the deserts. It's beautiful. Cool. Hey, we've got a question. Um, Peter. Sure. Uh, this question comes from our friend Leland McNally, and he asks, uh, do you use a digital notebook like Evernote or OneNote or some kind of a, a software package like that? Uh, yeah, good question. I do use Evernote. Uh, in fact, I've only I've only recently started using Evernote because I used to just take notes like in Word and keep track of Word docs, but Evernote is fantastic. I, I love it, and I, I'm glad he brought that up because uh, that's part of my tool set now. In terms of just kind of keeping your thoughts and ideas together. Cool, great. Thanks for the question, Leland. Um, okay, I have to ask because um, uh, we drove through the deserts in West Texas, and you can go for miles and not see anything. There's cell signals? <laughs> yeah, there are. Uh there's cell service in surprising areas, and then there's a lack of cell service in surprising areas. I, I can't figure it out. Um, I've not been able to pinpoint uh, why I have good good Internet in some places and not in others. But, yeah, there's still the Internet black holes, but for the most part, you can find the Internet almost everywhere. Wow. I, I, that, to me, that, that would be uh, one of the things I'd be most concerned about, 
But again, I have I, I have one carrier. I, I never thought about the idea that um, having two carriers would provide you that additional um, coverage. Cool. Yeah. Um, so when do you get back to Indy? Well, we are we're going to start heading east towards Indy probably probably in a couple months. There's still a lot of things that, that we want to see out out west here. Um, but we plan on being back in Indy for the first couple weeks of August, and we'll probably spend most of August in, in Indy. But then after that, um, we're going to hit the road again and spend um, a, a month with Amy's parents and then a month with my sister in Greensboro. And after that, um, not real sure. We're just going to wing it, I guess. So when you do go on these trips, like the one that you're on now, do you have it all mapped out? Do you have a plan in mind? Or are you just, you know, oh, that sounds fun. Let's head on down to Death Valley. <laughs> yeah. Fun in Death Valley in the same sentence. Kind of hard to say. Yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of been a mixture of, of both, but we have definitely, like, leaned towards not having – not having a, a rigid schedule, uh, there, there's been a few spots or a few times over the last uh, several months where we needed to be in a, in a place uh, for, like, uh, my wife has uh, done a couple uh, marathons, and so we needed to uh, be in a certain town at, at a certain date for that. And we were sort of loosely um, scheduling our, our route so that I could be in Austin for South by Southwest um, a few weeks ago. And we're going to meet up with some family in a month or so, and so that's determining where we go. But for the most part, yeah, it's really where are we at, what do we want to see, how far can we go on a tank of gas, because um, we need to manage our, our gas costs. But other than that, yeah, it's really just where we want to go. That um, So has the uh, rising price of fuel um, changed how you feel about life on the road, or you you think that uh – this will be whether it's uh, you know year-long adventures. Do you, do you see this as kind of an ongoing part of how you're going to run your business? Uh, for the foreseeable future, yes. Uh, I mean, we we won't do this forever, but we'll keep doing it until we get tired of it, and and we're not we're not tired of it yet. And as far as the cost of, of gas, gas has always been too expensive, and it will always be too expensive. And as, as gas goes up, um, you just don't travel as much. So it's it's actually quite manageable. Cool. Um, you know, you've talked a lot about um, how you manage relationships with long-term clients and that, but the other side, the business development side, how do you get introduced to new clients from the middle of Death Valley? Yeah, that has that point right there is how my business has changed the, the most. Um, just rewind a couple years ago, I got clients by going to networking events and just meeting people and just, you, you know how it is, Lorraine. You go and you try to meet as many people as you can and, and out of that, good relations come and out of that, eventually projects and clients come. I've sort of been out of that mode for for the last year, year and a half as my Google rankings picked up. I, I don't do any of that anymore. All of my business comes from Google. Um, all I do is return phone calls now. People uh, people contact me having already uh, found me and already sort of thinking that maybe I can solve their problem. So my sales process is a fraction of the energy of, of what it used to be. It's wonderful. Wow. Wow. That, I mean, 
it, it certainly speaks volume for a well-designed, well-constructed website that um, that searches well. Yeah, and, and I've got to give uh, some credit to um, Aaron um, Aaron at, at Deep Ripples for helping me sort of think through keyword strategies and just optimizing my content for the, the keywords that I want to uh, go for. I mean, it, it literally changed my business. And awesome. I don't think I'd be able to do this trip without it. Cool. Well, um, this has been really great. We're going to switch over. I think Stephen Shattuck is on the line. Stephen? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, and uh, Stephen is calling in from, uh, I'm guessing, a real office and a real desk with another yeah. half-baked marketing idea. Yes. This half-baked marketing idea is called Build My Starbucks. Okay. Okay. So brands who monitor Twitter for, for tweets about their brand, they look for two things. They do it for two reasons. They look for people who have bad experiences with their brand and people who have good experiences with their brand. Would you agree with that? Um, I would agree with that. John, what do you think? Sure. Yeah, well, I'll buy okay. That. Okay. So I would... I posit that there is a hidden third layer that brands are not monitoring. And this is a case of a person having a sort of bad experience, but it's not the brand's fault. Okay, so what's the most famous example of that, that I think? People who spill their Starbucks, right? <laughs> okay, so we now, have a marketing so idea around a puddle of coffee on the floor of a coffee shop. So it's basically Absolutely. a negative sentiment that's connected with the brand name but not caused by the brand itself. Correct. So if you go on Twitter, and I invite all the listeners to do this because it will make their day. If you search for spilled my Starbucks, three words, no hashtag, you will see a very long stream of hilarious, and I mean hilarious tweets, of people who have spilled their Starbucks either at the store or in the car or at their office after they go get it, and it's hilarious. So Starbucks is not taking advantage of interacting with these people or, or something. So my idea is how can Starbucks connect with these folks in a meaningful way that maybe sort of makes light of the situation or, or increases sort of their brand equity with these people because these are loyal customers who had a bad experience but aren't being sort of compensated. Now, if you spill, a, if you spill your coffee in a store, I, I'm pretty sure the barista gives you uh, a free drink. But what if, what if Starbucks was monitoring this and if someone sent a picture of, like, their ruined blouse or their ruined MacBook, hey, maybe Starbucks could, like, give them a, a coupon or something. So there's a free offer there. But then also, I think Starbucks should make a Tumblr of all these tweets because they are so funny. You guys um, I think a Tumblr, I actually think a T-shirt. I think, yes. um, yeah. you know, because first off, if you spill your Starbucks, there's a good chance you're wearing it. So Definitely. having a supply of these T-shirts in every store, so then when you spill your Starbucks, they give you the T-shirt and you take a photograph wearing the T-shirt, I think that's yep. uh, it's got some legs. The idea of a Tumblr kind of one. The other idea is you could do a contest for the funniest spill. Um, for yep. instance, if you 
did yep. ruin your, your your math book or if you spilled it on, you know, hopefully an iced coffee on your baby or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I think right, you, right. You, have you spilled coffee on Wes? Not yet? I No, I haven't. That's good. But, you, um, but I think you reach for it. That's for, like, the funniest or the strangest thing and give them a year supply of coffee and a, a T-shirt with a big coffee, fake coffee stain on it. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so I have to Another, add... But before yeah, you do that, I just have to ask, John, as you're running around the country, Starbucks or local coffee shops? Oh, boy. I'd have to go with local coffee shops. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I I would probably, too. Well, so here's an opportunity. If you are a local coffee shop and you're geo and you're, you're, tar- you're looking at these uh, mentions of still my Starbucks by location, mm-hmm. if you're geo-filtering them, why not then swoop in and say... Dang it, why don't you come in and get a better cup of coffee on us? And, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so you have another idea, Stephen. Which is well, always- another, another search I found that is funny is spent too much at Target. So I see that tweet in my feed all the time. Like someone went to Target for one thing, and they left having spent $200 on just, like, crap that they didn't need, basically. So maybe Target could do something there, but that's, if you search spent too much at Target, there's a really long stream of tweets. Target is like a something in for women. Yeah, you just right. can't get out of there with one thing. No, you, you yeah. really can't. Um, um, but so I'm not sure. I, I think the difference between spilled my coffee and spent too much, Starbucks yeah. does not want you to spill your coffee, but Target wants you to spend it too much. They do, but maybe they could find those really loyal customers and say, you know, hey, here's a 5% coupon on your next, you know, something to sort of spur the loyalty from these, you know, frequent and heavy spenders. But, but it's everyone. like they've already got the loyalty. Yeah. Hey, that seems like it's maybe not as much an area for growth. It sounds like no. you've already got a super heavy user there. And so maybe if there was another way of, of maybe engaging Less less power users, I guess, for lack of a better word, that might be more fruitful. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Starbucks, you've really got a chance to hook a customer for life there. And I, I Target, think one of the things probably... that's intriguing about this idea is, you know, if you are a larger brand, I I'm I'm guessing there's not, though I I haven't done it, so maybe I should, but um, search for your brand name and see if you can identify these streams. Um, you know, there's yeah. there's the there's just this huge amount of round peg square hole comments that I always find. Um, I mean, as a brand, looking for your brand name and seeing if you can identify, um, you know, to take this concept out beyond just Starbucks. Yeah, with Slingshot, um, I I have alerts set up for, like, you know, looking for SEO or I need help with SEO or looking to outsource SEO, things like that. And every once in a while, you'll get a nugget in there that's, you know, a pretty good prospect. So it's but, just yeah, but I think layer. also stepping back and just looking for, um, like it's slingshot, um, looking for the word slingshot and then seeing if there are just funny or repeating phrases that appear over and over again using the name of your company that might lead you down a path to, you know, to just some really kind of fun ideas. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, All right, well, we idea. are wrapping up. Stephen, hang on for just a minute. Um, John, parting thoughts. We're so glad that um, you you would uh, take the time to go sit in your car and talk to us. <laughs> um, 
parting thoughts, anything uh, people should know about you or one last idea? Well, I, I, I would just add that if, if anyone has uh, an inclination to travel, don't wait until you're retired. Do it now because you can. Absolutely. Um, thank you again. Um, and, Stephen, as always, thank you for, for joining us with your half-baked marketing idea. Happy to be here. Um, next week, Allison and I are going to be talking about some of the results from our small business social media survey, kind of what small businesses are telling us they're doing with social media this year. So we hope that you'll come back and join us then. And, and if you have other questions about marketing, networking, social media, and small business, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening. <laughs>